Uh, Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your word. Father, we want to thank you for your grace and we ask, Lord, that you might just reveal to us that you will take that veil from our eyes so that we might see your purposes for our lives, so that you might encourage us to live for you. And we do pray these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. You know, most people would welcome change uh, to uh, themselves. Hands up those people who would like to see certain changes in their life. Yeah, I, I think nearly all of us would like uh, certain changes. Physically, some of us would like to be thinner. <laughs> Not you, Byron. <laughs> some of us might like to be taller. Some of us might like to be more muscular. Some of us would like to have hair. <laughs> Socially, some people would like to be richer, uh, smarter, more popular, have more likes on Facebook. Emotionally, some people would like to be more confident, have more sympathy, have a, a less stress, uh, stressful life. Most of us would like the new me, the new you. And folks, I want to say tonight that the gospel is about change. And if we are serious about following the Lord Jesus, we will understand that God wants the new you. He wants to change us, not necessarily physically, not necessarily emotionally or, or, spiritual, uh, or uh, socially, but certainly spiritually. Because the gospel is about giving us a new heart, a new mind, a new you, a new me. And that's why the Bible uses language like coming alive, uh, being a new creation. The Bible talks of transformation, rebirth, being born again. And folks, we're not talking about cosmetic change. You know, morticians change or improve dead bodies' appearances. So when the loved ones uh, come and view the body, uh, that those bodies might be respectable. Folks, we're not talking about that. The gospel is not improving our old nature, our dead nature. It's about being a new creation. Folks, are you a new creation? Being born again is through the Spirit of God who seeks to change us, every aspect of our lives. You know, in that great uh, passage of uh, chapter 3 in John's Gospel, when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, he says to Nicodemus, who is a religious teacher, mate, you've got to be born again. And poor old Nicodemus hasn't got a clue. He's thinking, how can I crawl back into my mother's womb? And even though it was actually prophesied in Joel, Jeremiah and even Ezekiel, why do we need to change? Well, folks, I take it you've been seeing it all through Ezekiel. It's because of Israel's sin. And there are two sins that particularly enslaved their lives. Firstly, we read that they polluted the land by their disobedience. Here is Israel. They were given the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and they could enjoy that great blessing through obedience. But they were not living like the people of God. They started becoming like the people around them. They started worshipping their gods, pagan idols. They were not different. In fact, they disgustingly sacrificed children. 
And God vomited them out of the promised land. And they were exiled by their enemies, Babylon. Secondly, the second scene, they profaned God's name. In other words, they profaned his reputation. Israel forgot their calling as the people of God. The reason why they were the people of God was to be a witness to the pagan world. But because of their sins, Israel and God's holiness became a laughing stock among the nations around them. Not only did Israel lose their land, they lost their temple to this pagan nation, the Babylonians. Friends, uh, it's really a, a sad story. As uh, you read Ezekiel, uh, there can be a lot of discouragement, but uh, there are times when there are great encouragements. Israel disrespected God's holiness. They were ir- ir- irreverent to his purposes. And the Bible talks about words like they desecrated, they violated, they dishonoured, they, they vandalised God's reputation to the world. Folks, we don't want to do that, do we? Do we? We don't want to do that. Yet despite Israel's abhorrent behaviour, God hears Israel's call to be released from exile. And in verse 24, <clears throat> God will give back to Israel his land the promised land. But certain changes needed to be made in their lives and those changes could only happen through God himself. And so here we have seven promises of God's life-changing grace that all, that all begins with I will and uh, God will help them in these changes. Firstly, I will bring you back to the land. Verse 24, for I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your, into your own land. So much of Israel's hope, so much of their joy centred around the land. Jerusalem was God's holy city. Jerusalem where's, where, is, where the temple was, where God resided with his people. It was the land of blessing, the land flowing with milk and honey. The land signified prosperity blessing, the presence of their God. Now Israel had lost the land. They were a cursed nation. They had lost their heritage. Folks, I don't know whether we could fully understand that, but just imagine St John's was condemned. St John's was, uh, all the Christian churches around the area were just burnt to the ground and there was no place uh, to worship God. I know we can worship God on our own, but, but together we couldn't do that. It would be very discouraging. And I know some of you have been discouraged even because you had to wear masks at church sometimes. But that is, that's what happened to the Babylonians. They were discouraged because of their sin. Folks, for us, the land is not a physical land. And incidentally, that's why Israel is having so much problems with the Palestinians now. They're fighting for their land. They still have that belief that if they have that physical land, they will, have, they will be blessed once again. But for us, the land is heaven, the kingdom of heaven, because that is where God's residence is. That is the place of God's ultimate blessing. 
It's interesting, the Apostle Paul talks about we are seated in the heavenlies, present. He's actually saying, if you're a Christian, you've got a seat in heaven. You are seated in heaven now. And John says, your name is written in the book of life. Is that good? How good is that? We've got a reservation in heaven already. We have blessing awaits. Folks, we should be so encouraged, eh? We should be so joyful. But for now, we're sojourners, the Bible says. We're travellers. And folks, one of the things we need to do as Christians, we always should look to the past and see what Jesus has done for us on that cross and look to the future into his promises and that will encourage us to live balanced lives in the present. I will bring you back the land. Secondly, I will give forgiveness. Verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water in you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. God will wash Israel and cleanse them from their sin. By the grace of God, Israel can change. Israel can have a new hope. And no one wants to remain dirty, do they? Israel were dirty. If you're out in the garden and, you, and you've dirtied yourself, you, you want to come in, you want to have a shower, and you want to put on new clothes. Israel were dirty. It was the time to be cleansed. And for us folks, we are cleansed, we know, by the blood of Jesus. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We all need forgiveness. Who of us here tonight hasn't, hasn't polluted or profaned our holy God by our behaviour? Sometimes we can live like the world. Sometimes our priorities are for ourselves and not for God's kingdom. Sometimes we can worship the things of this world at the expense of uh, our worship of God. Sometimes we, we lose generosity. Sometimes we can be so much the same as the world that we actually become a hindrance to the gospel. Friends, we need to come to God with a spirit of repentance, with a willingness to change. We have to have that willingness to change so God might create and work in us and bring us into a new, being a new creation. I will give you forgiveness. I will give a new heart. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will remove you from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The heart is the centre of our identity. And, is, and God is promising instead of a hard heart, he's going to give us a soft heart. Instead of a dead heart, he's going to give us a, a living heart. Instead of a heart of stone, it's going to be a, a, a heart of flesh. In new birth, God wants to give us a heart transplant. You know, in 1984, Dr. Chang did the very first heart transplant in Australia. And I was shocked to find out that only 150 heart transplants are done annually in Australia. I thought it would have been in the thousands. Why so few? Because of donors. Because of donors. God's promise of a new heart and a new spirit will not lack donors. You know why? Because God himself is the donor. He gives us his heart 
his own very heart, so that we might receive his word with joy, so that we might know how to relate to him as our Father, as our Lord and Saviour, as our friend. Because of Jesus, we are in a relationship with the living creator, but also we're in a relationship with each other, by which we can call each other brothers and sisters. We have a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I will give you my spirit. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You know, dogs act like dogs because they have the nature of dogs. Cats act like cats because they have the nature of a a cat. Sinful people sin because they have a sinful nature. Folks, if we've accepted Jesus... We need to trust and believe that we have a new nature. We have God's nature who will incline our hearts to live for him. Moses was given a law on, on hard stone. Uh, we are given the law, the spirit of God writes his law in our soft hearts. And folks, this is a prophecy that was fulfilled at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon all believers. You know, while we were away, Debbie and I watched a a number of movies and we uh, we started watching uh, a number of those Mission Impossible uh, movies with Tom Cruise. And after the second one, I recognised that they're all the same. Uh, 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 Tom Cruise does these impossible things. But the reason why he does these impossible things is because he's always linked up. He's always got an earpiece. He's always got a microphone and he's always talking to some guy who's in a van not too far away on his computer and he's telling him what to do. And that is the, what, the reason why it's Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise can do all these incredible things. Folks, I want to say in a similar way, if we are connected with the Lord Jesus, he is able to prompt us, persuade us, convince us, direct us and guide us under his will if we take time to listen. I will give you my spirit. Fifthly, I will renew my covenant. Then you will live in the land I will give your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. And folks, I want to say that phrase is really a summary of God's covenant. I will be your God and you will be my people. It's the heart of uh, God's promise to Abraham, to Moses, to David. It's what Jesus is really talking about. God is our God. And if we behave like his people, we will be blessed beyond our wildest dreams. God is our God. If we don't behave like his people, we we are still God's people. But he may chastise us so that we might get back on the right track. And that's uh, what God did with Israel. They got off the wrong, wrong track. They were living like the world. So he chastised them. He, he took them into exile. Friends, can I say the Lord Jesus, he was chastised. He was punished. He was exiled from the presence of God. Not because of his sin, but because of your sin and my sin so that we might be his forgiven people. Friends, that's why the Bible talks about the new covenant 
as the new covenant. It is a better covenant. Because you know what? We have the power to say no to sin because we have that new nature. Think about it. When we sin, we choose to sin. Unlike the people in the old covenant, they could not do anything but sin. Sixthly, I will provide for you. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. And here is God. Not only is he providing for them spiritually, but he's also promising to provide for them emotionally and physically, just like he provided for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, just like he provided for Israel under Abraham, just like he provided for Israel under Moses as they passed through the Red Sea into the Promised Land. God also provides for you and for me. Tonight, Haley led us in the Lord's Prayer and we can't claim that promise. Give us our daily bread. God wants to bless us with good things so that we might be sustained, so that we might be strengthened. But you know what? Jesus also claims that he will provide for us emotionally. Come to me, he says. All you who are heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest, I will give you peace. Folks, have you got stresses in your life? Have you got disappointments in your life? Have people in your life done the dirty on you? Do you find it hard to forgive people? Have you got depression or low self-worth? And folks, I want to say this, and and please don't hear me wrong. Come to Jesus first before you go to a psychologist, won't you? I've got nothing against psychologists. And God can use psychologists. But come to Jesus first because he's the one who promises rest and peace. And finally... He says, I will make you remember your past. Verse 31, then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. <laughs> uh, this does not mean that God never uh, uh, forgets our sin. The Bible says, as far as the east from the west, he remembers our sin no more. Because of the blood of Jesus, our sins are covered, the Bible says. They are buried never to be exhumed. But when I remember my sin, I remember that God does not. It reminds me where I came from. It reminds me that once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive. God wants us to feel that godly shame so that we can marvel at his grace and be thankful and be joyful for the cross of Jesus. What a great blessing Ezekiel prophecy is about. Friends, as you read that chapter, what God is saying, he's saying, Israel, people of God, you're my number one. He puts us first, folks. And he wants us to put him first. So we can bless the world through our obedience and our witness to help 
Lost people find the Lord Jesus. Yeah, I know, we're all going to sin. We're all going to muck it up. And the Bible has that other promise that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and he will forgive us. But just remember when we do sin and we choose to sin, there will always be consequences. Folks, can I encourage you, can I challenge you, allow God to change you so that you can see and live the holiness of God so that others may see Christ in us and that they might marvel at his grace. Folks, uh, there are promises here. We need to trust in the promises of God. I know there are people who have made promises to you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that. You know, the goners. And we know sometimes people disappoint us, but not God, folks. The God who gave us his one and only son on that cross, we are able to trust him so that he might change us to his glory. Let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your goodness and your love. And Father, remind us that we are a new creation. Remind us that we have your nature. Remind us that we have your very presence within us as you indwell us in your spirit. Remind us that your law has been written in our hearts by your spirit. Father, help us not to pollute your reputation. Help us not to profane your holiness. Help us to live lives that will honour the Lord Jesus. And we do pray these things for his name's sake. Amen.